Welcome back to the Home with Havila podcast. We are so excited about today's episode. Havila got to host Dr. Glenn and Phyllis Hill, who are absolutely incredible and brilliant in the psychology world. As you might know, Havila is an ordained minister and spiritual leader, and she loves having the privilege of being able to host all types of leaders who are gifted in different areas on her podcast. Dr. Glenn and Phyllis Hill are leading in the field of psychology and have become quick friends who we love. So let's jump in and listen to this awesome conversation. Oh, Glenn and Phyllis, welcome to the show today. I'm so glad you're here. And I'll tell you what, we did not know each other, gosh, a couple months ago, but I was introduced to you guys uh, by a friend. And I kept hearing the phrase connection code. I thought, what is connection code? And I know a lot of our listeners who's followed me know that I am pro counseling, pro therapy, obviously with a faith base would be most preferred. But in general, I really believe that there are people that are anointed to take us into seasons and moments in our brains and life and relationships that really help. And it saved my life after postpartum three times depression. And then I'm always looking for tools. And so I heard this thing about connection codes. I'm like, what is this? And my girlfriend started doing this brunch where she would make pancakes and invite these couples over to do connection code. I'm like, what is this? So finally I purchased it late one night and uh, it sat in my inbox for, I think six weeks. And finally my husband and I on a date night, some random date night, I played it, him and I, and it was like, I, couldn't believe how earth shattering it was. And so for those that are listening, I know we're going to jump into what connection codes are. So that's probably the hook to keep you guys listening. But first, I just want maybe you guys could just share a little bit about who you are, what you do, where you live, maybe your family, let everyone kind of have some context. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much. We're so excited to be (laughs) here. And Glenn and I have been married for 39 years. We were high school (laughs) sweethearts. And uh, we have four children and 10 grandchildren, and we live just outside of Nashville, Tennessee, and love to travel. Uh, We love going to the movies. And part of our story is that the beginning of our marriage was really, really rough and really not great. Matter of fact, thinking back to that time, it's amazing that we stayed together. Part of it is we left home when we were teenagers, so we didn't really have home to go back to. So we were kind of stuck with each other and had to figure out how to make it work. And I think we've spent, I feel like a lifetime figuring it out. And Glenn started off as a contractor, uh, worked really hard physical labor for many, many years, and then went back to school when he was in his late 40s and went all the way to get his doctorate. And his doctorate is in sexology, which is a lot of fun, but I didn't know that that's so fascinating. Really? Yeah. That's his doctorate. <laughs> I'm surprised you don't lead with that. No. Most people don't even know what that is. So we'll just leave it at that. But um, <laughs> he has a private practice here in um, Tennessee and for marriage and family therapy. But it's kind of really grown way beyond that Mm -hmm. in where we are and what we're doing together with all of this. And I love that he has put in 
the work for research. He's such a scientist yeah. and has really done the work to get to where he, we are now in the whole connection codes and what that is all about. Yeah, and it was so intriguing for us because really the connection codes originated from our pain because we could not believe that this was what marriage was. You know, the day before, two days before our wedding, if you had asked us what we were going to live the rest of our lives, we, it would have been this, you know, wonderful story. And literally 48 hours later, we're disconnected and we basically stayed that way for a decade. It just blows my mind. How in the world is that possible to go from, oh, this is just so dreamy to this deep, deep, painful experience? But I don't do very many things well. One of the things that I do well is I'm never... Uh, I can't settle. I can't just go, well, you know, life stinks and that's just the way it is. I just couldn't believe that. And so that became, became a quest to figure out what in the world happened with this couple, with us, which is the same thing that happens with so many couples. And that eventually, through a long, long, boring story, you know, led me to just uh, a massive amount of research to figure out what causes people to disconnect, which once we figured that out, just scientifically, then Phyllis, and I'm the educated one, she's the smart one, um, she said, well, wait, if that's what causes people to disconnect, then if you flip it upside down, isn't that what causes people to connect? And that's what became known as the connection codes. It's about connection, but it's also about coding because we're actually coded for this as humans. We're hardwired for connection. Most of us just don't have the tools. We don't know how to do it. And so we end up in disconnection more than we do connection. It's so true. And I love that you guys started out by being honest about how hard it was. And then being, like you said, young, a young man, a young woman, barely adults yourselves, trying to figure out marriage and babies. And then obviously you're working a hard job. And then my mom's at home working a hard job. Then you own a business, Phyllis. So you're, you know, you're serious in your world too. And there's this like, okay, I, I think it was really interesting listening to both of you guys share I could see myself in both your stories and I could, I could see the same effects that Ben and I had. And one of the things I thought was very interesting for our listeners, and again, I don't want to give away all of it because there is a actual course you can take. It's available for you. And I recommend you take it with a significant other and you sit and you really learn how to connect, whether it's a parent and teenager or whether it is a married couple, whether it's roommates whether it's a staff, I mean, all of this is possible. It's not a romantic relationship connection code. So I want everyone to know that this is a relational. And like you touched on the idea that really it's how we were made. And so when we stop going against how we're made and we start actually like honoring the way we are made, then we're no longer misusing it. We're using it in the proper way. So one of the things you talked about was identity and how we need to have identity. And something you mentioned was that uh, people are coded for identity. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Well, we say that identity is the number one fundamental, foundational, most pressing human need, more significant than food, water, or oxygen, because when people lose identity, they're about 15 to 20 seconds into that experience, and it becomes overwhelming. And that's true the, the entire lifespan. It's true for babies, but that's just as true for somebody like me. I just turned 60. If I meet someone and they're just blank with me and, you know, I greet them, I smile at them and they don't respond, they don't reciprocate. No, I'm not allowed to go key their car, but I lose identity. <laughs> I lose the sense that I matter. And that's, that's how we identify uh, or, or define identity is just 
getting answers to questions like, do I exist? Do I exist to you? Do I matter? Do I have value? Do I have significance? Uh, do I have those to you? And if I don't, I very quickly lose identity. And again, I'm not allowed to be unkind to you, but I very quickly want to move away from you because I'm not going to be able to connect with you. You know, I just recently sold my company mm. recently. It's actually been a year, mm. yeah. but I didn't realize how much it would affect my identity as a woman, as uh, you know, I've been a business owner and you know, people always go, Oh, don't you look forward to retiring? Mm. But in, in a lot of ways you get really lost in who you are. Do I matter anymore? Do I, am I good enough now? Am I, do I have value? Because mm -hmm. so much of that for me as a, as a woman was tied to being a business owner. And, and I do want to clarify that if, if there are faith-based people listening, this is not about your relationship with Jesus. Like your yep. identity in Christ is solid, but as humans, we need each other and we need people. And in running a company, I had lots of people that worked for me. I had lots of clients and in selling, which was, yes, you celebrate that. You were like, wow, you sold your company after all these years. It's a great thing. But then the next morning you wake up and you go, who am I now? <laughs> And you have to face those questions. And you may be at my age, you know, almost 60, or you may be 25 going, who am I? Am I good enough? Do I feel valued? Do I feel significant? And it, it's in the relationships that are all around you, whether it's your boss at work, whether it's the people who live with you in your house, whether it's your neighbors, you are asking the question, do I exist to you? Do I matter to you? And if we're getting no answers all the time, yeah. it breaks down how we function as a human being, how yeah. we see ourselves and how we yeah. wake up every day and how we just go through our day if we're losing identity constantly. Yeah, and just practically, you know, when Phyllis was running her business, she got, you know, pick a number, 29 phone calls a day asking her questions. Well, she receives identity from that. She's like, oh, I exist, I matter, I have significance here because she's fielding all these questions and providing the answers. Literally one day, the next day she's getting zero phone calls. And that sounds great at first, but then after the days and the weeks go by, she's like, wow, do I even matter? Nobody calls me anymore. I was getting so many phone calls. Of course, the dollars that come from that because she had the little um, app on her phone where it went cha-ching. You know, payment made. Well, literally, I mean, Pavlov's dog, to be honest, you know, all day long, she's hearing cha-ching. And then the next day, it's gone. And, you know, she sold the company, but the cha-ching is no longer uh, happening. And so it's just her psyche starts going, whoa, do I matter? Do I exist? Do I have value here? And she knows she does. It's not an intellectual issue. It's an emotional uh, issue that it just is suddenly this big silence, this big void. And then she starts uh, just struggling, thinking, whoa, do I, do I matter in this whole uh, scheme of things? And Dr. Glenn, I like what you said. It's not a... It, it, like you, you touched on it. This is not a, I don't know. Cause sometimes we think, well, I should know this. Like I'm, I'm found in Christ. I, I belong to him. That's my identity. And what I loved what you were saying is yes. And like, yes, that's fundamentally what right. you believe, but your experience can be very different. And that doesn't make you a bad person to say, I need this. Like, I don't know if you can touch on that a little bit. That was really profound for me. Yeah. It really helps me to look at our, we have 10 grandchildren, you know, as Phyllis mentioned, and they call me Papa, they call Phyllis Honey. 
And their relationship with Honey and Papa is totally secure. It's absolute. And they all know that. And we're very tight. We're very connected with each of them. So that's not at risk ever. That doesn't mean that two of the cousins don't have a conflict and one of them loses identity. They lose the sense that, you know, well, she doesn't like me. She doesn't value me. You know, I don't matter to her. She doesn't want to play with me. Now, this may be an eight-year-old, but this eight-year-old is losing identity with the other eight-year-old, the cousin. That doesn't mean that their relationship with us is gone. That just means their relationship with each other. And I think of it the same way you know, with God, that our relationship with God is absolute. It's steadfast, it's rock solid, unwavering, and I can't emphasize that enough. But that doesn't mean that Phyllis and I are going to have a, a difficulty where I lose identity because she walked through the room and she didn't speak to me. Now, I, we've been together 43 years. I know that I matter to her, but it's just the psyche that I'm like, whoa, she walked through the room and she didn't even say, hey, babe, yep. I just lost some identity. Again, I'm not allowed to do anything awful based on that, but in that moment in the experience. And, and the beauty of the connection codes is now I'm able to just say that to her, literally to say to her, oh, babe, I lost some identity there. She knows that I'm not trying to lose identity. I just did. And uh, we call it the ooh. She's able to ooh me. We process through it literally in 10 seconds, 12 seconds, 15 seconds. And then it does not become a disconnector for us at all. 35 years ago, oh, my gosh, that would have been a three-day. <laughs> right. A cycle. Pain and disconnection in it. Yeah. So what happens when someone says, okay, I'm listening to you right now, and I can think about, I just thought I was insecure. I just thought that I needed to suck it up. Or I just thought that I was being needy. Or I just thought when I can get married, then that need won't be here. Or, you know, I just need to read my Bible. I think there's there's a lot of people in our culture, specifically in the faith-based, that really turn it into a, uh, you know, I just need to be okay without. And that's not really what we're created to do, nor is it what God has for us. So what do we do when we start to recognize that we go, okay. How do we acknowledge it without maybe partnering with insecurity or partnering with fear, anxiety? How do we do that? Yeah. Well, from the macro perspective, the connection codes are all about the human condition. Uh, Phyllis and I are faith-based, but if somebody's not, we're not mad at them. Uh, if all of this <laughs> is evolutionary and this is just how humans are, it's still how humans are. It's not a God issue. It's a, just, yeah. just our human condition. So we just recognize that this is just what's happening uh, in the moment, and we try to get it back to that, that it's not a faith issue. Uh, and again, it's not even a Jesus issue. It's just mm -hmm. the human condition or human coding. We just operate that way. Do you think you should tell somebody? I mean, how do our listeners engage? Obviously, there's a whole course. So guys, don't just go out there and start blowing up your lives, please. We, none, none, the three of us do not want you to do that. But what I want you to do is to start to, how do I initiate a conversation with someone where I go, gosh, because we, I love what you guys did, and not to give away the farm, but you really talked about what the question you had us ask ourselves is: what gives or brings me identity? Hmm. So many of our listeners, we've never thought about it. I had never thought about it. One thing you said was, "I like it when people ask about my work," or hmm. "I like," and I realized, you know what? I get a lot of identity when I sign books. I get a lot of identity when I get invited to go places. I get a lot of identity when somebody greets me when I walk in the room. But I would have naturally probably in the past thought of that as self-centered, maybe a little narcissistic. Why would I even care? But what you're saying is, no, it's just identity. There's no moral value. It's just, yeah. it's just an understanding, right? Yeah. In psychology, it's what a condition we call human. 
And uh, when <laughs> you experience that, you're, you're doing what's called human. And if you watch little kids, you know, they walk in the room. We have a little granddaughter whose name is Ruby. And, um, you know, she walks in the room and you go, hi, Ruby. Well, she receives identity. She recognizes that we recognize her and it just feels good to her. And, you know, she'll grin. Uh, well, it's not evil if we didn't say her name. So we're not even indicting the other person, but Ruby receives identity. And that's just as true for us older babies as it is for the little ones. We, there's no birthday where that changes. You know, well, you know, have a little, you're 10 now, so you're not allowed to experience that anymore. That doesn't make any sense. You experience it the exact same way now. Uh, and again, we're not allowed to go key people's cars if they don't, if we don't receive identity from them. But yeah, I move toward, I mean, if I walk in a room and you see me and you greet me, I'm just going to move towards you. I feel valued. I feel seen. I feel heard. I feel that I matter to you. I'm not judging all the other people in the room that didn't say my name. But if Ben and Havila say my name, I'm like, oh, that, that feels mm -hmm. good. And so I just automatically move toward them because we're coded to move towards identity. You know, part of what I love about the connection codes is the science behind it. Mm. It's the how our brains fire, yeah. how our bodies are affected by things. And I think that, yeah. you know, we are both, as we've said, faith-based and I grew up as a missionary child. And, and so, you know, my dad was a preacher, my dad was a pastor and there's a lot, I grew up, you know, kind of thinking I don't exist as a human, mm. I am just spirit. And it's kind of a, in some ways that is, it is a, it's almost like I don't have value just as a human. And yet yeah. we are created to be human. Mm. And, you know, as humans, we need food. We need oxygen. We need water. Like our bodies require certain care. And we can't replace that mm. with just saying, if you just pray, you don't have to eat. Or mm. you don't need oxygen if you just read your Bible. It's kind of a a partnership that we have a hard time understanding. And I, I love the idea that when we understand that our ourselves need validated, we need to know we exist. We need to know we are good enough. And I think we can see it in our children. Often they need to know how uh, beautiful they are. They need to hear that from their parents. They need to hear that, oh, that picture you drew. Our three-year-old granddaughter brings us, she wants all of her art on our refrigerator and you never know what it is. And we don't criticize her. We love her art and we have it all over our refrigerator. And, and it's, it is just saying to her, you matter to us. You have value. You are good enough for us. And I think that we understand that with two and three-year-olds. And then all of a sudden, something shifts, even as parents at times. We expect, almost like as a six-year-old, all of a sudden, we expect perfection. A 10-year-old, we mm -hmm. expect perfection. A 13-year-old, we expect perfection. And so they stop hearing that they're good enough, that they're beautiful, mm -hmm. that they have value. And and as adults, I, I think about the my family of origin, um, I have had an incredible conversation with a sister after 40 years of not feeling that I was good enough for her, that I had value. And she actually, in that conversation, because I've lost so much identity with her that I don't even, I don't really have a relationship with her. She lives far away. We've never lived in the same city, but we had this conversation and she actually said, I know that when you were 17 
and you disobeyed dad, I put you in a category that I have never dealt mm. with. And so for 40 years, wow. she has, yeah, you're not good enough. You disobeyed dad. At 17, she held on to that for 40 years and it ruined our relationship. And now we can talk about it, but it's almost like we've, I don't know that there's now time to build a relationship. It's like we're strangers. Yeah. Yeah. Don't live in the same city. But that is such a loss of identity that it's been very painful for me to want to be in relationship over the past 40 years with. And it, she's not, I've got several siblings. It's all the same kind of thing with, within that. And you kind of go, wow, but yet your family. So you think you should like each other. You should spend time together. But when you do, it's so painful. Yes. Because yes. They, the message is you're not good enough. Yes. You know, I'm the baby of the family. So there's this, you, I will always be the baby. Like, it doesn't matter that I'm uh, almost 60. <laughs> that I have owned a company and sold a company, which none of my other siblings did, but I'm still considered the baby. So I'm, I yeah. have no value. Like I'm, I'm looked down upon by my older yeah. siblings. And that, yeah. that is a human condition. That is, that messes your, with your psyche. And it it's does. just, it just, it's so beautiful when you can recognize, yeah, there's pain in that. And I can move away from that. I don't have to keep, trying to make change their minds. It's just when I realized, yeah, I lose so much identity when I'm around my siblings. It, totally. It's like, then I can, can kind of go, okay, I can choose to go into that situation knowing that I'm going to lose identity, but that's all right. Because over here with my husband, my friends, my kids, my grandkids, I am valued. And I get so much identity mm. because they say, no, you are good enough to us. And that's who I spend most of my time with. Yeah. Uh, Phyllis, it's brilliant. And what you're saying, which I just love is I accept, and I'm now an expert in myself to know mm. that I don't have identity with that specific person. So if I go into that environment, it's going to cost me identity. There's going to be an exchange that I'm going to have to pay into the bank account of my identity. So when I'm not, when my bank account is on empty, me going into that environment is going to cost me to where I'm depleted and discouraged and depressed. If I go there with a full bank of identity, I might be able to hang out for a day or two or maybe an hour for lunch. So there's so many people that are listening to this right now and they're thinking that they've got to be the good person and show up in the relationship and call the person. But th the truth is, if you're not getting identity from that person, then ultimately you're working really hard for something that you don't need to work so hard for because you have this idea that it's the right thing or it's the, you know, I want to be the kind person. I want to be the one that gives. So what I ended up doing after listening to Connection Codes was it allowed me to be able to categorize relationships and friendships and people in my life as identity and non-identity. And that was not mean. That was not villainizing them. Like you said, it was a, okay, when I'm in their atmosphere, they're saying the word family. They're saying the word we want to connect. They're saying the word we care. But everything outside of those words are the exact opposite of what I'm experiencing. So I'm not mean to distance and maybe even at times cut off. I'm actually stewarding and guarding the way that my humanity needs identity to function at the healthiest self, right? Because we want to be the best person that we're called to be on the earth. So I 100% agree with you. People will, again, it, it, they kind of, they kind of fell it under mean, 
but we're not being mean. We're actually being, we're actually understanding our limitations for being respectful to ourselves. And we're honoring who God called us to be. And there are moments when it's not going to work. It's just not going to work. It has nothing to do with you. Something with them, there's just a lack of identity that makes the relationship either irreparable or just lacks redemption. It's something about it that doesn't work. And I think there's, when we try to make it work, we get exhausted and overwhelmed and all the things. So I thought that was brilliant. I also love the idea that you, and you talked about it, Phyllis, is people will categorize you. So no matter how hard you're trying to say, I'm different, I'm worthy, I want to have identity, if they filed it away, you are not powerful enough to go inside of them and recategorize yourself. You have been categorized. So instead of working so hard on the no's and the depletions, you work on the yeses. So the other thing you guys talked about was knowing how you get identity, but then being able to communicate that to those that we love so that they get to win, right? So how do we start that conversation with those around us, whether it be a friend and not do the villainization of you don't do this and you don't pick up the phone and you don't text me right back and you never answer. How do we actually keep that communication open so that we can say, I don't get identity when you do this or I lose identity or I gain identity. How do we do that in a safe way that, that can start the conversation without it feeling uh, like we are judging them? Yeah. Well, on a macro level, we're on a global quest. So we have 8 billion people that we're working to reach. Uh, which is going to take a little while yet. So in the meantime, <laughs> because our goal is, I mean, you know, have a lot, just like you mentioned, the uh, the first assignment with the Connection Codes e-course is to start recognizing identity. We always say there's two weird things about the Connection Codes. That's the first one, to start recognizing identity and to literally be able to say that. And I'm able to say that to Phyllis now. I'm surrounded by Connection Coders now, and I'm able to say to them, wow, I just lost some identity. And you did that. And again, I'm not blaming them. I'm not indicting them. I'm not accusing them. I'm just letting them know that I just lost some identity. And we're able to actually talk on that level with that jargon, which is incredibly connected. Yeah, They're able to ooh me and just be present uh, with me. Just a quick example. I love it when Phyllis, you know, when Phyllis and I do something together and she goes, babe, thanks for partnering with me in that. I re just received so much identity that I'm a partner. Years ago, she would say, thanks for helping me with that. Well, she's not wrong to say thanks for helping me. That's not an evil thing to say, but I just received so much identity when she says thanks for partnering with me, and I just love it. So our dream is that literally everybody is able to incorporate this language, and it's so much bigger than uh, even – to use the term identity, it's bigger than, oh, I didn't really like that. Well, this is identity, the number one fundamental foundation on most pressing human needs, so it's a lot deeper and a lot bigger than just, well, I like that or I didn't like it. It actually is an identity issue. You know, part of the what I shared about having that conversation with my sister, she doesn't understand this language at all. You know, mm. she's not really interested in reading our book or learning about connection codes. So I'm walking in with someone who doesn't know the language, mm. but she very much understood when I said, I don't feel that I'm valuable to you. Mm. I don't feel that I'm good enough for you and, mm -hmm. and never have been. Mm -hmm. And I, and I did say, I lose identity in my relationship with you mm -hmm. and I don't feel that I matter. So I, it's all about, I'm saying yeah. I'm experiencing, but she was the one who traced it back mm -hmm. when I was 17, which I was thrilled that she was able to do that because mm -hmm. I've never understood 
why she has not been kind to me. Like, I really, it didn't make sense to me um, that, uh, that no matter, you know, early on in life, because she's so much older than I am, um, she's 17 years older. So early on in life, I just thought it was because I, you know, I was unsuccessful. But then when I became a very successful adult woman, I thought, oh, this will change. Mm. Well, it didn't change because for her, it all stemmed from something when I was 17. And, you know, and it is sad that we, it took us 40 years to have that conversation. But I think that people can start these conversations when, and I, and I would encourage you to do the e-course because there are assignments that I the questions that you need to ask yourself and, you know, like you did, Havala, and what what does bring identity to you? And you realize that it's, you know, when you are uh, asked to sign a book, you know, and then what's interesting is we've written a book and for Glenn, he doesn't like signing books. So, see, isn't that interesting? He doesn't receive identity from that. For him, it's like it goes kind of the opposite. And yeah. So see, we're all so different. So you, there's not a cookie cutter answer. What might for you bring identity might be the opposite for mm-hmm. me or for Glenn. And so you got to figure it out for yourself and in different relationships. You know, you have to see, oh, like with my mom, it's when she says, I'm proud of you. Or mm-hmm. with my girlfriend, it's when she asks about my latest book, right? So it's really different in different relationships. And with your marriage, if you're married, I think it's very much also different. Like what I've, you know, I, I feel I have identity when you comment on my outfit, right? Mm -hmm. That may be in a marriage where that isn't the way you feel among your friends. So yes, yes. Yeah. It's figuring this out for yourself by answering the questions that are there. They're in our book and they're in the e-course. And then you're able to take that conversation and have that same conversation with the people that you're close to. Yeah. I think a lot of our conflict is we just don't know ourselves at all either. We just right. don't. We're living by the codes of what the world's told us that you better be kind or you better, or, or, or there's even like, I think about relationships that have been severed in our own lives. And if we trace it back, it was an identity issue. It was a loss of identity. It was a disconnect. And I just, I love that. I think one of the things that really, I think after listening to this, of course, I thought about my husband, because that's the first thing you're trying to have identity with is the person you partnered in life with. Then you also start thinking about it with your kids. Mm. How can I give my kids identity? And so have you guys addressed that and been able to help? Can you help other people with that might have a child or a grandchild that they're like, oh, I really need to help? Well, I love yeah. that you brought that up because um, when we did uh, last year during COVID, we did webinars and we actually had families come on and do it together. Mm-hmm. And they would do this identity assignment. And it was amazing how we would hear back from people who would say, that they're, you know, like the husband would say, I receive a lot of identity when I get home from work and you ask me about my day. Well, the family was shocked because number one, they didn't think dad wanted to talk about work, like leave that at work. And so there was this misunderstanding in this family unit of what brings identity. And each person went through it. And the mom said, I receive identity when you guys comment on my cooking for her, she felt a lot of like, uh, she doesn't like cooking. She does it as a service to her family, but they didn't know that it, she found value in them saying, Hey, thanks for making dinner and dinner. I liked the 
one thing, mention one thing, you know? And so she was able to express that. And I think that we uh, in our own family units need to hear what our children value. And, you know, different ones said, I, I receive a lot of identity when you will play Legos with me. Mm-hmm. Well, they need to be able to express that yeah. where we may be assuming that they want a coffee date at Starbucks when really they just want to read a book with us. So they yeah. need to be able to say, I receive a lot of identity and, you know, people were also different. So it's don't assume that you know what the other person needs yeah. that communicates you have value and you're good enough. Yeah. Yeah. I mentioned that I'm the educated one. Phyllis is the smart one. So I'm a marriage therapist. So, so much of the connection codes grew out of marriage therapy. And Phyllis was the one that realized that, oh, this is about all relationships. And you referenced that. I have a lot. Uh, it's certainly true for partner pairs. Uh, but this is true with your children. It's amazing when you start recognizing that, oh, this little guy, again, whatever age, five years old, eight years old, 12 years old, he loses identity when this happens. And it's my theory that every uh, interactional difficulty comes from a loss of identity. And if you go into it with that mentality to go, what's happening, what's happening, what's happening? Oh, somebody lost identity. It's startling how quickly you realize, oh, that's where it began unraveling you know, that's where the tensions are developing between these two. What about the people that are listening and thinking, oh, my spouse needs to hear this. Like my spouse is, <laughs> I mean, obviously you and I know as people that help a lot of people, you guys, that it always starts with us. But I'm curious when someone goes, well, every time they lose identity, they, they feel manipulative or I feel like they need me to, like I have a mother-in-law that wants me to go do these three things. I don't want to do those things. And I, I'm losing identity with her clearly. Is there a time when we can say, I don't want to give that identity to that person? Hmm. Wow. That's a tough one. You didn't tell us they were going to be tough. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I do think, Havala, it's like with what I was sharing about my my siblings Hmm. that, um, you know, I, I, I thought about my brother. You know, he wants to call me and never ask about me. He just wants to be able to call me and what I always call vomit all over me. Like he just wants to, <laughs> yes. he wants to gripe and complain about his life and he doesn't want to change anything in his life. And I have the right to opt out of that. Like I have a right to, to just limit that. And, you know, I can care about him. I can send him, you know, a text message every once in a while, but that doesn't mean I, I know that he would love for me to call him every day. He's lonely. He has no one in his life. But it is such a, it is such a drain Mm -hmm. and it is such a burden. And I, so I do have to know myself. I think you mentioned that earlier, Havala, when you realize, man, if I walk into that situation and I'm already depleted, I'm, it's going to beat me up and I'll, it'll take me days to get over it. And so I think that we do have to see that there are some relationships that are just toxic and, Mm. and we have to limit that and we have to we're balanced and that we are spending time with people who are um, good for us, who are mm. giving us the identity we need, who are kind, who are loving, who are, mm. you know, not just sucking life out of us all the time. Yeah. And that doesn't mean we don't do acts of service. And have, well, I love it, the way you said that earlier, just that I go into it knowing, okay, this is going to be, this is going to deplete me some, this is going to cost me some identity and it's going to be a draining scenario that doesn't mean you don't ever do those 
but it helps you to be aware that, okay, I can't do 10 of those in a row and I can't only do those. If we only do those, you're, I mean, it's just exhausting. It wasn't that many years ago, unfortunately, which was many years ago, but when Phyllis asked me one day, she said, baby, why do you pursue relationships with people that don't want relationship with you? And I was shocked by the question. It sounded blasphemous to me. I was like, well, <laughs> that's what we're supposed to do. That's what God wants us to do. And she said, no, it's not. And that was revolutionary for me. And then our adult children got in on that conversation and they said, yeah, Dad, that's what you've always done. You expend all your time and energy on people who are never going to be your friends. You know, somebody yeah. spit on you and you invite them over for dinner to spit on you in your own <laughs> home. And so you don't have any time and energy left over for people who actually would like to be friends with you. That changed everything uh, for me. And now I hang out with people who are actually kind to me. And I'm still, I mean, I'm 60 and I'm still getting used to that. And I tease my friends because I'm like, I think you're probably all serial killers. But you know what? I don't even care. <laughs> Well, <laughs> I just don't kill people in our neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and they're, they're not really serial killers, just so everybody knows. But, <laughs> but it's just weird I, because I spent the vast majority of my life not being with people from whom I received identity, not being around people who are kind to me. And it's so refreshing and it's not energy depleting. And it just startles me that, oh, this is a pretty darn beautiful. I mean, getting to hang out with you and Ben and go out to dinner, yeah. I'm like, Oh, this feels it feels wonderful, but it feels weird to me because you were kind to us, and that's still <laughs> new enough to me that I'm like, what is happening here? They're, they're <laughs> nice to me. They're, they're genuine and, and and kind and gentle, and uh, I don't know. It still kind of blows my mind. It's amazing. No, I I love that, and I I think you're exactly right. There are some of us that have literally gone without. We are we're malnourished in identity, and so we just wow. think. I'm not, I'm fine. But then we're sent, we're oversensitive. We feel overwhelmed. We're burdened. It's the, like you said, we're not getting those needs met. Mm. And so sometimes we're hiding from people. Maybe we're just, you know, I'd rather just spend the weekend with Netflix. That's it. I don't want to, because anybody that we are hanging out with is taking our identity. Oh. So we want healthy friendships that bring identity. And I think that's really, I also feel like it, it gives us permission to look for identity in people that we would not normally look for friendship or community because we can actually go, it's interesting. I would never have thought that would be my friend or we'd be that close or we'd have anything in common. When I'm around them, I tend to get identity. It's something about this acknowledges my contribution and that I'm alive. And what you said, Phyllis, which I thought was excellent, the value, I feel valuable. That's a great word rather than saying I lost identity, which can make people feel like, well, sorry, I don't know, but we should go back and look for it. To say, I don't feel valuable, it does actually make people go, oh, I didn't know you didn't feel valuable. That is a wake up. It is. It's a wake up call. And I love it. I love it. I love it. And there's so much we can talk more about this. But I would say one last thing, and I get this question a lot. Okay, we've got the person who's married and they're saying the person I get the least identity with happens to be my spouse. What do I do? Because that is the number one question that we're going to get no matter what is the person that I'm sharing my life with, my kids with, my future with, maybe, what do I do if I feel like they don't acknowledge me or what do I do? Well, that's one of the things I love about the connection codes is they're practical. Mm -hmm. The tools will change your interaction very quickly. And even the assignments, doing them with your spouse and being able to hear each other, like hear each other maybe for the first time mm -hmm. where we've assumed 
way too much. We've assumed that what I like, you like, what I need, you need. And that's not true. And when you have just the language, when you have sentences, questions that you can answer, then all of a sudden you're tuning in and you Mm go, oh, I didn't know you cared about that. I didn't know you ever wanted to go for a walk with me. So I just go with my girlfriends. I've never asked you because I didn't think you wanted to. It's almost like we're strangers with each other and we're married. And, you know, yes. we, we don't have time to talk about this at all today, but, but the emotions that fire in your brain, most of us tune them out. We don't listen. We don't even know they exist. And so we have we've robbed each other in our marriages of the honesty of being transparent of being true to who we are and we we don't even feel safe with our spouses to be able to really be and so we hold it in hold it in and then we blow up and all they see is the blow up version of what we've been holding in for so long and the tools of the connection codes get you to be authentic in the moment instantly and then your spouse is clued in to who you really are and what's happening for you which is so huge it's like we deny each other that truth about who we are because we think we have to be somebody we're not and then we hide from each other and then they don't see the authentic person they're not being authentic and then we wound each other constantly because we're not really dealing with the true person that's sitting in front of us yeah and it's I want to, brilliant brilliant well i want to mention too just that the connection codes are based on the human condition so we're not talking about a six-month training here we literally expect people to experience a difference in 30 to 45 minutes that and of course you know you're and and epiphany uh-huh absolutely you hear that all the time because we're just getting down to the core we're getting down to who you really are authenticity and that's how people connect. So we're not doing a, a six week, a 10 month training program. And again, it's already inside of you. It's not that we have to teach you some foreign language. This is actually the language of your birth. This is how you're coded. This is how you're designed to function. And once we get people to that uh, level, they just connect uh, automatically. It doesn't mean that they won't continue to evolve and grow, but it's a very, very quick shift. It is. It's like a light flips on and you realize, oh, that's what's been going on. It really is an epiphany where you go, oh, I didn't know. And one thing I think Phyllis said, which I thought was just brilliant, is I think we have a tendency to look at everybody else and go, well, you need to do this and you need to change this and you, but like, do we really know what we need? I don't think many of us even know what we need. When I, when, when I had to sit and do the exercise with Ben and I'm a 43 year old woman who teaches thousands of people around the world about their heart and their life and their choices and their faith. And I'm going, I don't actually know what I need. Maybe a day off. Like, I don't know. And then I had to really ask myself. And then I could feel that I was putting a moral compass on my needs rather than being able to admit those are just needs. There's no moral compass to this. There's something in the mix. And so that was so insightful for me. But like you said, there's an epiphany initially, but there's a practice that has to follow because it's not the language we talk to each other. So it's the language of birth. It's the language of our inner core, but it's not the language of our connection. And so that is where the work comes in. So you have the epiphany, but just because you know the truth, it doesn't set you free unless you walk it out. So you've got to take the time. So Ben and I, we've been doing the and there's, again, I'm not, there's, there's so much to this. We just, this is literally the first session of Connection Coach, you guys. So as you're listening to us talk and you guys, 
uh, that have done it know this. This is just the, the very beginning, but the second, one of the portions in there talks about your emotions, which is what Phyllis kind of touched on. So Ben and I, on our date night, I've, I've been on a 10 event season and I've been very busy. So what did we do on our date night? We went and got a couple's massage and then we sat in the, in the car with a cup of coffee and we went to the feeling wheel. Mm-hmm. Just of that day, that's it. Just the two of us, just of that day. That is just literally all we needed to connect. I just want to know where you are on your emotions, your core emotions. Got it. I see it. I'm there. And it just, it's literally speed dating for connection. And so I love it. I love it. So if people want to take the connection course, I know you have a parenting course. I actually know you have a sex course as well, Uh, but you start with the connection code initially. So maybe we could talk about that and how people can connect with that. And then what else you offer? Well, I would encourage people to follow us on Instagram at Connection Codes uh, for several reasons. You'll get a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And some people go, I don't want to do a whole course. So get follow us. That's one way. Uh, our website is connectioncodes.co. And yes, we do have e-courses. Um, we have one that's called Foundations, which is where we just started today with talking with you, Havala. And then you can do the parenting one, which is amazing. It just takes all that foundation stuff we were just talking about and applying it to your kids. And then the one that's called Late Night is all about sex. And it is great. Remember, Glenn is a sexologist. So it's wonderful. It's very uh, educational. And then I bring in the practical and the fun and, you know, how do you on so yeah that's a lot of fun yeah the, the sex one was great i halfway through that one and i think the first session was very insightful again countercultural, but but speaking the language of the humanness the humanity yeah. so i think for many people i mean that, that might be the reason you guys want them to take the connection code the basic like foundational is because that will play out in every other relationship whether that's marriage or kids or being a boss or whatever, grandparent, that's the core. And then it kind of begins to hit specific needs like parenting or sex or whatever that relationship uh, connects with. That was excellent as well. And I, uh, different, not the same information. So if you look at it and go, is this the same information with just sex talk around it? No, not at all. It's, it's mm-hmm. understanding how you are, but then we hit a whole nother side of how do we connect uh, in an intimate way that is really countercultural, just to be honest to what we've been taught. So you guys, thank you for joining us again. We will put all of their details in the show notes. You will not miss a thing. And if you enjoyed this podcast, be sure and leave us a comment review. Let us know. Um, I would absolutely love why well, no, I would love to invite you guys back. That is, we have more questions. Maybe we'll do a parenting or a how about a sex one? I'm in. I'm in. I think that'd be good. <laughs> we would love that so much. Thank you, we would great. love to come back and talk about even emotions yeah. and, you know, dig into that. But yes, parenting and sex as well. We love talking about all of it. So yeah, yeah. it's just brilliant. I know wow. you guys are also traveling. So make sure you guys look around. You might even see them in your neck of the woods. But what I love most of all, is that it's on your screen so you can get it anywhere and everywhere and watch it anytime. Um, they are live sessions, but you can also catch them on your own, which is what we ended up doing because of our lifestyle. And it's not long, guys. This isn't like a 10 course doctrine. <laughs> like it's just simple, a three course, you know, very short little breaks in between to activate it. It's very practical. It is not 
a, a course on a, a bunch of crazy stuff. It's very basic. You can do it with somebody who's not that engaged, quite honestly, it's not that interested and it's not going to intimidate them. It's a great initial start. So you guys, I love talking to you. Thank you, Dr. Lynn and Phyllis. You guys are incredible. And I can't wait to connect again. I get, I hope that you felt so much identity today. Ooh, oh, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> Thank you, Thank All you. right. Love you guys. Love you. Bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Thanks so much for tuning in and listening to this episode today. We hope you learned a lot and enjoyed it just as much as we did. Don't forget to go grab Havila's book, I Do Boundaries. You can find it at shop.truthtotable.com. We have heard so many amazing testimonies come from this study and we know you'll love it. And make sure you come and join us. Mark your calendars for Thursday, October 14th for a free live training Havila will be giving on how to prepare the perfect message. You can jump on at 10 a.m. or 5 p.m. post-standard time. To register, go to www.messageprep.com forward slash live dash training. We did this free training in July and got so much encouraging feedback. Nikki J said, this is exactly what I've been looking for and need to help me learn. Very excited to get started. So come get started with us and don't forget to register at www.messageprep.com forward slash live dash training. We can't wait to see you there. Mm-hmm.